Welcome to Heart of Worship Church Podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. Hi, I'm Miranda Wright, and this is day 11 of our 120-day Upper Room Prayer Campaign. Today, we're going to pray against the spirit of Antichrist. In the book of 1 John, chapter 4, it says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. He continues to point out that this includes the spirit of Antichrist. Wherefore, ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. So even though we know that man of perdition, the Antichrist, shall be revealed in the final days before Christ's return, however, even from the time of the early church and the apostles, we are told that the spirit of Antichrist is already loose. Actually, he goes all the way back to the Tower of Babel. But for today, we're just going to look at some key characteristics that are good identifiers and will help us to pray targeted prayers. Because in the same manner that we see the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament preparing the way for the arrival of Christ. And when the Antichrist arrives, that spirit will indwell him in the same manner that the Holy Spirit came and rested upon Christ. At Christ's baptism, when the Holy Spirit came down as a dove and rested upon him and stayed, John the Baptist said, this is the sign that this is the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. The one who the Holy Spirit comes and indwells and stays upon. Jesus came to manifest all the works and the characteristics of the Holy Spirit. He was the physical manifestation of everything that the Holy Spirit had been speaking forth. Jesus comes to bring forth. And in the same manner, everything that the Spirit of Antichrist has been doing throughout the New Testament has been done to prepare the way for the Antichrist. And when the Antichrist comes on a scene, that Spirit will indwell him. And then he will manifest all the character and works of that Spirit. So understanding that, we can look through Scripture specifically at the Antichrist himself and see his characteristics and how he will work to know how that spirit, which is already in the world, works today. In 2 Thessalonians 2.7, it says, For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who letteth will let until that he be taken out of the way. The Spirit works already, but only because of the restraining power of the Holy Spirit is he not allowed to manifest in the full Antichrist until the fullness of time has come. But he's already working the mystery of iniquity. In some translations, it says the mystery of lawlessness. That word iniquity is the same as lawlessness. It's anyone who is in a state outside of the law. Anything that is chaotic. The Bible says that all things, especially within the church, are to be done decently and in order. And anything that works in chaos is working through the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness, which is a working of the Antichrist spirit. It brings control out of chaos. Many have heard the term order out of chaos used by many a secret society. This is an antichrist spirit tactic. It controls through lawlessness, through chaos. When people allow things to get out of control, then the spirit of the antichrist can step in and take control. This is why, again, the Bible says that a man who is not in control of his own spirit 
is like a city without walls. But it says, at the point that the Holy Spirit stops restraining, then shall the wicked one be revealed. Again, remember, the reason that we're looking more into the spirit of Antichrist is because of his ties to Leviathan, which we addressed yesterday. The prophet Isaiah said that the Lord would come and destroy Leviathan with his sword. And we saw how Leviathan related to that seven-headed beast from the sea that is mentioned in Revelation, which was a manifestation of the spirit of Antichrist. And here, referring to the Antichrist, it's saying that when the Lord comes, he shall consume him with the spirit of his mouth. Well, we know from Ephesians 6 that the armor of God names the sword as the sword of the spirit and that it is the rhema word of God that comes out of his mouth. So we see here another correlation that it is the same spirit. It says, and he shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they received not the love of the truth. If you do not love the truth, even when it hurts you, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it crushes your pride, you will be deceived by the spirit of Antichrist because Leviathan moves through pride. They would not receive the love of the truth. And, re and remember that the Bible says that righteousness without righteousness, no man shall see the kingdom of God. But righteousness is being in right standing with God, which means coming into alignment with what he says is right, because what he says is right is truth. And it says here that those who fall prey to this antichrist spirit, they move in unrighteousness because they would not receive the love of the truth. They did not love the truth that Jesus died and suffered to bring us the word of the living God in their pride they held on to what they thought was right and what they wanted to be right which was not right which falls in the area of unrighteousness but they wouldn't come into agreement with what God said was right which would have saved them from the judgment to come because they received not the love of the truth that they might be saved and for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie Many will be deceived by this Antichrist. Many will follow this spirit. Many today already are following those who operate by this spirit and think that they're following God. They think that they're following men and women of God, but they are truly following counterfeits that are operating through a spirit of Leviathan and an Antichrist spirit, but they have been allowed to be blinded to believe the lies that they're being told because they love their unrighteousness more than the truth, because they love their their sin more than the truth because they love their flesh and their comfort more than the truth because they love mammon their money more than the truth because they love possession more than the truth because they love prosperity more than the truth because they love pleasure more than the truth because they love themselves more than they love the one who is the truth and that is Jesus who died to bring us the truth that we might believe the truth and love it and be saved for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. They had pleasure clinging to what they thought was right, what they wanted to be right, what they felt was right, but not what God said was right. He works already, even now, in the mystery of lawlessness. He works through chaos. 
He works through the crowd. He works through distraction. He works through disturbance. He works through false manifestations. He works through governments and organizations. He works through those who bring disorder. He works through those who control and manipulate. He works through those who encourage you to hold on to what you think is right in opposition to what God says is right. He works through those who make you comfortable in your sin. He works through those who flatter your flesh. He works through those who tell you that you can keep your sin and still go to heaven. When Jesus says he will turn away all who work iniquity. The word says that he will turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. In other words, he will tell people that because of God's grace, you are allowed to sin. The Bible says that he is doing despite to the spirit of grace. Because true biblical grace is not an excuse to sin. Grace is the power not to sin. Because the grace of God is God's power, his favor, and his divine influence that raises you up to be seated with Christ in heavenly places and gives you the authority to put Satan under your feet. The Bible says there is no temptation that is not common unto man that God has not given a way of escape from. We just have to humble ourselves and seek his face to find out what that way is so that we can walk in right standing in righteousness and avoid the pit. He always makes a way, but those who walk in their own way will not find his way. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. In other words, seek him and he will direct your path. And then you will be in right standing and you will avoid the snares. The Bible says he that trusteth in himself will fall into a snare. This spirit works in the mystery of lawlessness, in the mystery of iniquity, in the mystery of unrighteousness. In this state of being outside of the law, we have to ask ourselves, what is the law? Because I thought we weren't under the law anymore. Let me tell you something. Everything that God says is law. Because if God said it, it is. It's the truth and nothing is going to change it. And if God says that we have to repent and turn away from our sins, pick up our cross, deny our flesh and follow after him, mortify the flesh, crucify our flesh, love our brother, then he means what he says. When he forgave the woman who was caught in adultery, he picked her up and he said, I'm not here to condemn you. She repented and he forgave her, but then he told her, go and sin no more. When the man was healed at the pool of Bethesda, The Lord blessed him, but he also told him, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Jesus said in the New Testament, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And friend, I'm here to tell you, it's not law, it's love. Jesus preached a hard preach. He preached a sacrificial life. He preached that you've got to be willing to give everything up and follow after him. But what he was really trying to show us is that this is what it looks like to truly love someone. Real love is sacrificial. You will sacrifice for those that you love. You will give up the things that are displeasing to the one that you love. And no, it's not law. It is love because if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And the Bible says, and it says his commandments won't be grievous unto us. It is not grievous for me to serve my Lord because I love him. It is not even grievous to me to have to give things up to do his will instead of my own because I love him. And that is the fruit of love. That's why Jesus said you will know them not by their gifts, but by their fruits. Paul said, I was a man of high pedigree, of high degree. 
Paul was a Pharisee. He had great degrees. He was well-educated. He was well-liked. He had a desired occupation, and he gave it all up to follow Christ. And he said, I count it all as dung that I might obtain Christ. And Christ said that if you truly want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to give up everything and follow me. But let me tell you something. When you truly love him, you will count everything else as dung that you might obtain Christ. If I have counted everything as dung that I might obtain you, then everything is not such a high price to pay. Because I want to. Because I love you. Because I truly believe in who you are and what you did. And I love you because you first loved me. Unworthy, undeserving. And I truly believe that and that bears fruit in my life. And that I love you back. And that love bears fruit. And that because I love you, I will keep your commandments. And it is not grievous to me to give up the pleasures of the flesh. It is not grievous to me to give up selfishness. It is not grievous to me to give up pride. It is not grievous to me to give up the lies of the enemy. It is not grievous to me to give up the platform. It is not grievous to me to give up the applause of men. It is not grievous to me to give up all the things that the spirit of Antichrist tries to tell me that I need. Because I know that my God will supply all my need through Christ. You know, it's very interesting that it says in that passage, need as a singular. It's not a plural. It doesn't say he'll give us all our needs. It says he'll give us all our need singular because he is all we need. Let me tell you this mystery of lawlessness. It seeks attention because it is chaotic and it is destructive and it is distractive. Anyone that wants attention in the house of God is working through a spirit of antichrist because they will always move indecently and out of order and cause disruption to draw attention upon themselves. And it is a spirit of antichrist because it's a desire to be worshipped. And worst of all, just like the Antichrist who sets himself up in the house of God wanting to be worshipped as God, those who want to be worshipped, those who want attention, those who want to be noticed in the house of God are moving through a spirit of Antichrist. There are some maybe listening right now that have done it and didn't even realize it, but I pray that the Holy Spirit pricks your heart today that you can repent of it. Smith Wigglesworth said that if you truly want to be used mightily of God, the first thing you have to do is be delivered from your desire to be seen and heard. Because Jesus said the Pharisees, which that Pharisee spirit falls into this category also, they always seek the highest seat at banquets. They want to be seen. They want to have the praise of men. They want to be looked at as being somebody. Jesus said, my followers that have my spirit, they're not going to be like that. You always take the low seat. You always humble yourself and allow me personally to elevate you, to place you, to pull you out and to point you out. The word says, humble yourself before the hand of God and he will exalt you in due time. Again, because the word antichrist literally means the one who tries to stand in the place of Christ, we have to recognize that the antichrist spirit really works more through the church than anything. I mean, let's face it, the antichrist isn't coming to deceive the world. The world is already deceived. He's coming to deceive the church. And the Bible says that all the world will follow after him, except for those who are truly saved and led of the spirit, that they have the discernment that is granted by the Holy Spirit to even know and be able to identify him. But I guarantee you that if you cannot identify the spirit of Antichrist already in operation today, you will not be able to identify the man Antichrist when he comes and you will fall to the great deception. 
Now the Antichrist will take over the church and he will take over government. So he will move from both the place of the pulpit and the parliament. And in government, we see this spirit manifesting in this Hegelian dialectic, problem, reaction, solution, order out of chaos. He moves in lawlessness. He brings in offense and bitterness and division, and he turns the people against each other. And then he causes a big problem, and then he comes in with the solution that he already wanted to bring forth, but you would never agree to except that he caused all this lawlessness. And so now you're looking for the order again, and so he gives you his. He moves this way in government. In the church, he moves in signs and lying wonders. When the Bible says lying wonders, that means counterfeit wonders, lying prophecies. And it's usually what you're going to want to hear, so you're going to want to receive it and believe it. But you need to take every word that you get to the Lord in prayer and say, God, I sincerely want to know what you have to say, so you prove to me. But the Bible says, and I read it to you when we started, Test the spirits to see whether or not they are from God because many spirits have gone out into the world, even the spirit of Antichrist. God wants you to test the spirits and see if they are from God. He wants you to test your pastor and see if he's a wolf in sheep's clothing. Jesus spent so much time warning us about false prophets. Paul spent so much time and he even said, I have spent three years warning you with tears. And I know that as soon as I'm gone, the enemy's going to rush in and he's already going to start deceiving you. If those who sat under the teachings of Jesus Christ himself and even Paul can be deceived by this spirit, how much more can we? We have to be vigilant and we have to be diligent. The Bible even says, be vigilant for your foes roameth around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Think about that. How does a lion hunt? He divides and conquers. He runs into the herd with fear, confusion, and chaos. He busses it up and then he picks off the weak. He picks off the wounded. He picks off the young, the inexperienced. I said it in yesterday's podcast and I'll say it again. Catherine Kuhlman, she said it often and it is so true and it's not often expressed. But she said that there is much attributed to the Holy Spirit today that is not the Holy Spirit. She said it is a disgrace and a reproach upon the name of God who is perfection. And she is right. My friend, believe not every spirit But try the spirits, rather they be of God. Test the word that you are hearing. Don't come into agreement unless it lines up with the word of God. The Holy Spirit is holy. And his job is to present you a chaste bride, pure and without blemish to the Lord at his return. If the Holy Spirit is telling you something, if he is speaking to you, if he is giving you a word, if he is giving you a message, if he is sending somebody to talk to you, it's going to be something that drives you to holiness because the Holy Spirit is holy. And God said, be ye holy as I am holy. And if it is not holy, it is not God. And if it is not driving you to perfection, if it isn't driving you to holiness, if it isn't driving you to crucify the flesh, if it isn't driving you to submit to the will and word of God, it is not the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Church, we got to pray for believers because there are many deceived. There's probably more deceived than not deceived. In fact, I know that's the case because that's what Jesus said would be the case. 
He said many would be on the broad and only a few would, would be on the narrow path. That means most are deceived. So those that are not, you need to be praying. Intercessors, you need to be warring. You need to be calling out and crying out against this spirit of Antichrist and calling for the spirit of truth to bring a wave of truth because many are going to bust hell wide open thinking they were serving Christ when all the time it was Antichrist. And you might even be thinking, ooh, I don't like this. This is making me fearful. The Bible says some save with fear, pulling them out of the very fire. When someone is humble, you can save them with compassion. But when someone is on the verge of judgment, when they are at the brink of the very fire, it's time to shake them and wake them and pull them from the edge. I don't have time to get into the full scope of it, but all the way back to the Tower of Babel, we see the manifestation of the spirit of Antichrist. He moved in religion and he moved in government and he caused the people to become dependent upon him that they would worship him, that they would have to come to him. And it says he built the Tower of Babel. And we think of this tower and this crazy people are trying to build a tower to heaven. But when we look at the original Hebrew word there for tower, the word is migdal. And that word translates to elevated pulpit. He was trying to put himself in the place of God in the heavens, in the place of God so that he could be worshiped as God. It was an antichrist spirit and he worked from an elevated pulpit. In our church, we have a motto, we are growing together. And there are many that are aged and learned in the word, but from the smallest child to the senior pastor, no one has a mindset that we know it all or that we've arrived and we are all still growing together and God can speak just as much of a revelatory truth out of that four-year-old child as he can out of that 70-year-old elder. You just got to be humble enough to hear it and receive it. We have got to stop elevating our pulpits and our worship teams and creating personalities that are being praised more than the king that we claim We've got to make it about the lost again. If we knew that Christ was coming tomorrow or that judgment was going to fall tonight, what would our prayer be? What would our focus be? We would not be worried about building a bigger ministry or getting a bigger building or who has the nicest screens and stages and lights. We'd be worried about souls because when we stand before Christ, everything that we've built in this world is going to be ashes. And the only thing that we're taking with us or the souls of men, the souls that we brought into the kingdom. When we stand before God on that fateful day and he looks at us and he says, who did you bring? And we say, we built all these great and mighty things for you. We did all these great things. We spoke all these great things. We built all these big things. And he's going to say, all that is ash now. Who did you bring? Because it's about souls. It's not about things. In Jude one, it says, beloved, When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Fight, fight, fight for the true faith to keep the purity of the true faith in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Fight for it. Contend for it. To contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unaware who were before of old ordained that spirit of Antichrist to this condemnation, ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness is a desire to sin. It's a lust. It's a passion. It's lack of control. It's lawlessness. 
I'm trying to stoke you with a sense of urgency for the dire state of the church and the souls that we are praying for. Maybe there's somebody listening that needs to hear this because they've been deceived by this spirit. But if not, then it needs to stir a fire in you to pray for those who are. Because I guarantee you, dear hearts, that there are many, there are many being deceived. And we've got to realize how dire the state of the bride and start crying out for her. We've got to start fighting for her. We've got to start lamenting for her. We've got to start contending for the faith. Jesus said that when he returns, that the kingdom of heaven is going to be like wheat and tares. That a master planted good seed in the soil. Seed represents the word in scripture. It represents God planting that seed of faith in you because you heard a word. And he is the good master and he plants a good word, a truth in your heart. And then all of a sudden it starts to grow. And one of the servants come in and says, Master, Master, there's weeds growing up with your wheat. Did you not plant good seeds? Did you not send out a truth? And he said, Indeed, I did plant good seed. But in the night an enemy came in and intentionally planted the tares. And so Jesus is warning us that even though he has spoken the truth, he has given us the truth, the enemy comes in and he plants falsities he plants counterfeits he plants the lie and they look alike it says that as they begin to grow it looks alike and so we're seeing here people who believed and had a love for the truth they received the truth the soil represents our heart and so there are those who received the true seed and they began to grow and in scripture wheat always represents God's people but growing up with them there are tares there are those who received the word or the seed that the enemies planted that seed that work of lawlessness Those that work in the mystery of lawlessness, those who did not receive the love of the truth, those that received the lie of the enemy, that unrighteousness and let it be plant in them. And they're growing up together. And at first they look alike. Let me tell you something. I've grown wheat in the beginning. The weeds and the wheat look alike. And in a church, it's hard to tell the real from the false. That's why Jesus said that they come as wolves in sheep's clothing and you can't tell them except by the fruit. Because you cannot tell the weeds from the wheat until they start to put on fruit. And at the time that they began to put on fruit, when the harvest comes, the Bible says that he will go and he will gather all of the wheat into his barn and the tares will be gathered together and thrown into the fire. There is a harvest coming, souls. Make sure that you're found among the wheat. Make sure that you're bearing the right fruit. And let me tell you something. We talked about that spirit of Leviathan that is tied to this Antichrist spirit being the king of the children of pride. When you come to that harvest and you have a field full of wheat and full of tares, you can look across that field and you know which ones are wheat because they are bearing fruit and the weight of their fruit is causing them all to bow. But the weeds stand tall. They stand proud. They don't bow. And because they don't bow, they are easily cut down. And then the wheat is gathered. Those that work in that spirit of pride will be cut down. But those who are humble, those who are selfless, those who are loving, those who have the fruit of Christ, the character of Christ, 
the spirit of Christ. The spirit is the root. And if you have the holy root, you will produce the holy fruit. If you have the Holy Spirit, then you will manifest the character of Christ. But if the spirit that you are receiving is not causing you to move in holiness and to become more humble and more bowed down and more reverent and more decent and in order and more loving and more forgiving and more like Christ, then it's not the Holy Spirit. While the tares stand tall and proud and say, look at me. Let me tell you something, that spirit of Antichrist will stand in the house of God and turn people from the truth of God and get attention doing it. Because from the beginning, that old serpent wanted to be worshipped and wanted to rob God of his. I'm here to tell you, friend, that we've got to get real and start weeping between the porch and the altar. We've got to start crying out for the bride. We've got to start interceding for the church. Because I'm telling you, friend, there are spirits that are blaspheming the Holy Spirit by pretending to be it and laughing at the bride as he does and mocking God in his own house. While the Holy Spirit is weeping between the porch and the altar like God commanded for a world of lost souls on their way to hell and waiting for a people who will do the same. Ecclesiastes 7 says it this way. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of feasting and celebration. For that is the end of all men and the living will lay it to his heart. Sorrow is better than laughter for by sadness of the countenance, the heart is made better. People, this is the word of God. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning. But the heart of fools is in the house of myrrh. That's the house of celebration. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. For as the crackling of thorns under a pot, so is the laughter of the fool. This is vanity. It's like thorns being burned in the fire. Do you understand that thorns represent sin? That's why the thorns were pressed in his head because our sins were laid upon him. Thorns did not come into the world until sin came into the world. They are a representation and a manifestation of sin. And the word of God is saying that laughing in the house of God while souls are going to hell, it is vanity. It is not God. It is not the Holy Spirit and it amounts to nothing when you get serious and start crying out to the Lord it is travailing prayer that makes the difference every revival in the Bible was birthed from somebody crying out in travailing weeping intercession and prayer learn the real Holy Spirit so he can use you to bring forth change and start crying out for a bride who is spotted and deceived and not ready for the return of her groom It's time to weep between the porch and the altar. To call a fast and a solemn assembly. To cry out, O Lord, let not thine heritage come unto reproach. God, we cry out for the bride. Lord, we lift up a lamentation. Lord, we come to the house of mourning and not to the house of celebration where the fools gather, Lord. 
Lord, we don't want to be counted among those thorns that are cast into the fire because we sought after vanity at a time when you were looking for a people who would cry out, who would have faith in the desperation of the situation. Who would know that souls are lost and dying and going to hell and and that none are guaranteed even tomorrow. So what are we doing about it? Lord, the church is so worried about pleasing the flesh and getting something that will make themselves feel good. When you said that your heart is selfless, your heart loves others and esteems self last, that is not self-concerned. God, we know that the only commandment in the satanic Bible is do as that will another worry about yourself and when people come into the house of God and preach a self-centered message it is a message straight from the pits of hell your word says that there are ministers of Satan standing in pulpits all over the world delivering doctrines of demons Lord we pray for discernment on our hearts we pray for it on our families God we pray for it on our pastors on our worship leaders God we pray for discernment God give them discerning eyes let them see let them know and let them understand the truth and God we pray for the greater bride the church abroad that it does not see Lord that they would know that that they would have ears to hear and eyes to see and that they would humble themselves before the mighty hand of God that they would read the word and see the truth out God but it can only come by revelation of your spirit so come Holy Spirit of truth God, I don't like to have to speak these truths. Nobody wants to have to think about these truths. But God, if we love the bride, if we love you, then we have to deliver the truth because we can't see one more stolen away. We stand with the authority of Christ against this antichrist spirit in the name of Jesus and we command manifestation God I pray that not one person would be deceived but that you would cause them to begin to manifest and to say things and to do things that would allow the people around them to know that something is wrong that they not be deceived themselves but also so that they know to start praying and to start reaching out and to bringing truth to those who are being used by the spirit God we call forth manifestation in the name of Jesus the people will see it they will know it and they will speak it forth and they will do something about it to the saving of their own souls and their friends and even those who are being used by it because God it is not your will that any should perish or be deceived or fall prey to any unclean spirit but you want to see deliverance in the land but God we can't see deliverance if we don't have the strength and courage to even stand up and speak what they need to be delivered from God, your word says that your love will cast out fear and nobody wants to address these issues, but because of love, we have to. And it casts the fear out of me, God, because I love you enough to want to save your bride and because I love the bride enough to want to wipe the spots away so she is found ready at your return. I pray for a pricking of the heart every time a wrong word or false manifestation comes. Oh Lord, I pray a brokenness in the spirit that people would begin to cry.
to cry for your bride, to weep between the porch and the altar. Bring back the true men and women of God who will travail and who will intercede and who will think of others and not themselves. For those who will serve you and serve your church, Lord, and not always look for someone to serve them and to give them a fluff word and to give them a smooth word and to prophesy unto them deceit and to make them feel like they're someone important. Lord, I rebuke that prideful arrogant spirit of antichrist in the name of jesus you are the only one who will be worshiped in this house you are the only one who will be worshiped in the house of god it is a house of praise it is a house of prayer it is not a house of performance Oh, God, awaken your bride. God, rescue your bride. God, we cry out. We lament to you today, Lord. We lament for the bride. Lord, you are coming back for a chaste bride, a pure and spotless bride. And we know by the word of God, the reason tribulation comes is to force a separation of the fake and the real, the sheep and the goats, the wheat and the tares, because only the humble and the genuine and the few will endure the persecution that it takes to truly serve you, Lord. But all the rest will continue thinking that they are, but they will wander after the beast. Lord, and if they can't recognize the spirit of Antichrist now, they won't recognize the man of Antichrist then. So, God, we're crying for revelation, Lord. We're crying that you take the scales off. We're crying that you start to show the truth. We're crying for manifestation that they see and know, Lord, that this is not of you. Lord, that they would understand your character. God, give them revelation in your word of your true character. Not who they've been told you are, but who you are. Who you reveal to us in your word. Lord, if there be one person who decides, I'm going to pick up the gospel and I want to read the teachings of Jesus himself and see how it lines up with what I'm being taught, with what I'm being told, with what I believe in and live in, does it line up? Because I don't want to be counted among those on that day who received damnation because they would not receive the love of the truth. God, we love you and we love your truth. I don't want to be confused or confounded by the workings of lawlessness, of iniquity, of sin. I don't want to be found in the house of fools. When you return, I would rather be found in the house of mourning, weeping for the lost. And not celebrating with the proud. Lord, give us a burden for the bride. Give us a burden for the lost. Cause us to see through your eyes. To feel your heart when she cheats on you with all these other lovers. To recognize the difference between being the Moses on the mountain. Bowed before you in reverence. Receiving that rhema word from heaven. And those in the valley dancing and celebrating before the golden calf. And Lord, if all the congregation choose to dance around the golden calf anyway, then let there be one or two that say, I am a Moses. I'll go find my own mountain and I'll reverence the king. God, we know we make mistakes. We know there are times when we are deceived. But God, I'm praying for a people with a heart that loves the truth, that seeks your face, that humbles to you.
that worships you, that takes the low seat, that isn't looking for attention, that isn't tempted by vainglory, but wants only to bring you glory because you will not share your glory. So, Lord, we bow before you that you can come in and have your way. O King of glory, wash us today. Fill us with your Spirit. Speak to our hearts and help us to hear it, to understand it, to see when you're trying to show us these things. We choose to depart from it, Lord, and we ask you to reveal it to us wherever it may be around us. To give us wisdom to understand it and a love enough for the people to be willing to pull others out of it. He loves you. And he doesn't want to share you. He wants you to be found ready at his return. Lord, help us to remember that even you had to crack whips and turn tables in the synagogue. But you wept before you whipped. You wept even as you made the whip. Your heart was broken. You had to bring correction. You had to bring the harsh word. You had to shake them and wake them because they were being led astray by an antichrist pharmaceutical spirit. And you had to crack that whip, but it was out of a heart of love because you wept even as you made the whip. And I know, Lord, that you wept harder than you whipped because your whip never drew blood, but your weeping did. As you knelt in that garden of Gethsemane and you prayed and wept and your sweat fell as great drops of blood, you wept with everything that was in you. You wept for your bride. Shame on us for not sharing in the sufferings of Christ. Oh, Lord, give us your heart. Give us your spirit. Lord, I want to cry, come. I want to cry, come. But right now I have to cry, Terry, because I know the bride is not ready. She's not ready. So many would miss it if you came right now. So I have to beg for mercy. Even though my heart longs to be with you and longs to see you and would love to see you bust that eastern sky right now, I know that they're not ready, God. I know they are spotted. There are so many that are spotted. God, we've got to start praying for them. We've got to start being broken for them. We've got to start speaking the truth and helping them to get their wedding garment on so that they don't miss the wedding. Because Jesus, you gave a parable. And when the man came in without his wedding garment, you said, how dare you come in here without your wedding garment? And you cast him out and he missed the wedding. And then you tell us in the book of Revelations that the wedding garment is a robe of righteousness. It is the white robe of righteousness that is given unto the saints. God, we've got to walk in your ways. And it's not about works, God. It's about faith. It's about having enough faith to believe what you say. God, if we're completely ignoring everything that you say, then we can't say that we believe. It's a lie. You will judge the tree by its fruit, and many will be found liars on that day. And they don't even know it. And when you say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. They're not going to understand because somebody with an antichrist spirit lied to them and they believed it. 
but they will have no excuse because the word is there. It's available. They could open it up for themselves. God, I pray that you cause the people to start opening the word for themselves, to sit and pray and say, Holy Spirit, teach me because you are faithful. God, you did it for me. You'll do it for anyone else. If they will just open the word and say, Holy Spirit, teach me, you will lead them into all truth. You will show them and then you will send them out to liberate others, to help to gather more for the wedding. Help us to not be deceived by this great end time deception. Help us to be among the few that choose to trust in you. Thank you for listening to Heart of Worship Church podcast. For more podcasts, sermon videos, daily devotions, great new worship music, and more, be sure to download our app by searching Heart of Worship Church in the App Store or Google Play, or visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.